This episode is brought to you by J. Crew. This spring, J. Crew is telling a linen love story. From perfectly rumpled beach cover-ups and effortlessly sexy suiting to button-up shirts from the world-famous Baird McNutt Mill in Ireland, the new J. Crew collection is made to be shared, lived in, and loved for decades and generations to come. Shop linen like you've never seen it. And more new arrivals for spring 2024 at jcrew.com. This episode is brought to you by Azo. Ever felt off balance down there? Introducing Azo Vaginal Health Products. Azo Complete Feminine Balance helps restore the balance of good bacteria. And if you want protection from yeast and urinary tract issues, try Azo Dual Protection. Save 20% with the promo code PODCAST at azoproducts.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. Right, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys were coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! But you just did it again! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, it's game week, son. (laughs) Yes, sir. We got a lot of action, so let's just jump right into it, Shane. And I thought the perfect way to start this episode is we got to go to Auburn's 26-year-old punter. This guy, if you can't tell, oh, you're about to find out. He's an Australian. He's authentic. And he was asked about uh, going to Outback Steakhouse, Shane. Since you've been in America, have you been to Outback Steakhouse? I have. I have. What was your the very, time? very funny. I actually was the one that went in and asked uh, the waitress, "Can we have a table for four? And she looked at me like, um, "Is that actually a proper accent?" And I was like, "Yes, I actually am from Australia." And she was, yeah, a bit stunned by it, but that's okay. It was, good. it was a good first experience, and they actually do some quality steaks as well, which is nice. So I've been there. I've been there a few more times since, which has been nice. It's good. So it's not bad. Wow. No, it's not bad. No. Do you hear that? I've never had, now. I've never had blooming onions in my life. I just want to put that on out there that that does not exist. But, um, so everybody knows that now. But um, yeah, everything else there is, is is pretty close. All right, Shane. I mean, this man he loves him some Outback, but it was kind of disappointing to find out the blooming onion is not an authentic Australian delicacy. True or false, Mike? Has Shane ever been in an Outback Steakhouse with an Australian accent? <laughs> oh, definitely true. <laughs> That's right, man. Put another shrimp on the bobby. 
I just thought this was a just a weird clip, but uh, I thought we had to start with it. I didn't even know Auburn's punter was 26 years old or that he was from Australia, but uh, and now everybody knows it. Honestly, I had no clue. I thought you sent a clip of the Miami guy there for a second. So apparently <laughs> we got quite a few of these guys over here. <laughs> All right, Shane, last thing before we jump around the league. We, we did want to make this note. We touched on it. Uh, I believe it was first reported by Edgar Thompson of the Orlando Sentinel. Uh, but now is officially confirmed by Brett McMurphy of Stadium. But Florida and Miami agree to a home-and-home home series. I know we're big fans of the home-and-home. And, home. and it's going to kick off in 2024. The first one's going to be at Florida. And then 2025, the following year, at Miami. Uh, the, I, I love to see this, especially a week leading up to this game. We're just going to get more Florida-Miami here in the future. They haven't played in a long time. And, and actually, if you look at, like, Winsipedia, Miami had their ticket for a long time. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is good. This is, like I said on the last podcast, I just think it's really good for football. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Well, you ready to go around the league, Shane? We got a lot of teams to hit on. Absolutely. Let's do it. I'm a fan of Brett's mustache, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> now let's go now around, let's the go around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to work. All right, Shay, let's start in Fayetteville. Woo pig! We're old Chad Morse. Met with the media here recently, and... You know, he didn't have a ton to offer up on these quarterbacks. Well, I should say he did offer up some a lot of talk, but a lot of it was not concrete. Uh, so let's just jump to old Chad Morris, and this is the latest on the quarterback competition. We, we all thought it was two. Now it sounds like it's three or four guys in the mix with the season quickly approaching. I thought our quarterbacks played well. Um, I, I thought that uh, John Stephen Jones continues to impress. Um, he, he did some really good things. He, he uh, actually had a, a situation with the ones in a two-minute offense that led them down and had to score a touchdown to win a game, and he did it. I was very impressed with him. I thought Nick Stark will probably have one of his better days, um, and, and that was good to see. I thought Ben made some really nice checks and some good, good throws today. But uh, overall, as I mentioned earlier, that these guys are, are competing. So with that, I'll, I'll open up for questions. After today, are you any closer to, to be ready to name a starting quarterback or is Wednesday scrimmage kind of the last big test? Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I'll, I'll watch the film and see. I don't think we're, you know, I'll, I don't know exactly the time we're going to name him or name a starter, but uh, I want to go through definitely Wednesday and see where we're at. And um, We got some, some, some work that we'll do later in the week on Friday before our, our mock game out here on Saturday. Uh, so there'll be some live situational work on Friday too. So we'll, we'll, we're getting closer, but you know, again, we're evaluating. Back to the quarterbacks. Is it safe to say that Nick Starkle's made this decision tougher than, than maybe it would have been? 
Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. Um, I knew it was going to be, a, you know, a tough decision, and it'll be the right decision. Whatever we make will be the right decision. Um, you know, I, what I love about it, it is just elevating this entire football team. I, I no, I, I would never look at this as, as being a tough something tough. I think it's this is a huge positive for this football team um, because it's making everybody in that room better. And uh, Nick is doing that. Ben is doing that. Ben's doing some really good things now. And uh, and then just to watch the progression of John Stephen Jones. I mean, I, I, you know, the guy's a player. You know, he gets out there and and just uh, there's a lot of really good things happening. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, this is this is two weeks in a row I've seen this and this group. So we'll see. We'll, we'll keep pushing. And um, you know, I do know this. They're earning a lot of respect of this football team by the hard work that they're putting in, like everybody else. All right, Shane. So this is kind of something we've been hammering home. You know, episode to episode here. Arkansas, one thing that really killed them last year was inability to make a decision at the quarterback. And I don't know how truthful Chad Morris is being here because it just sounds like as time goes on, you know, he's not whittling this thing down to a starter. It seems like he's expanding the quarterback competition. <laughs> he's going the wrong way, Mike, you know. This is this is driving me nuts because when I first heard him talking, I was like, you know, I was hoping that we'd hear a little bit more about KJ, you know, something like that. But he's like, you know, that Jones kid really did good. You know what I'm like? Oh, your four-string quarterback? Okay. He did fantastic. He he did a game winner there at the end of practice. That's awesome. What about the water boys? He got an arm on him. Let's put him out there. You know, you can't play off four of them. But I hate this because if he comes in, honestly, I, out of all the quarterback controversies out there, I really do think that we're going to see multiple quarterbacks down there in Arkansas. And I'm afraid it's going to be after they lose a game, they yank one guy, they put another one in, and it's just going to be the exact same thing that we saw last year, Mike. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned about as well. I mean, he did kind of seem to note there at the end that he, you know, they'll they'll pick a guy, it'll be the right choice and all that. But I don't know, I don't recall him saying that specifically last year, but when you name I believe it was Ty Story was the first guy out. You know, you mm-hmm. had you had to believe you had faith in him, and that lasted about half a game. And, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead, Shane, because I don't want to judge Chad Morris at this point, but how's it going to be next year if we have this same scenario and then his son is joining the team to join this <laughs> quarterback competition? So, I don't know. I just don't want to see this flip-flopping, you know, rotating guys in and out. It's just going to be a nightmare when his, when his kid is involved with it as well. Oh, for sure. And it's going to be harder to land quarterbacks if they see this. Two years in a row, don't think these other coaches ain't going to negatively recruit, you know, and say, hey, listen, he can't even pick a quarterback. You know, he's going to promise you the job, but he's also going to give it to an opportunity to three other people on the team. Mm-hmm. Now, on some bad note, uh, bad news here, Shane, senior receiver for Arkansas, Deion Stewart, was hurt in a recent practice. Apparently, he's lost for the season. That's according to his mother, who posted that on social media. Uh, This is a guy, 22 catches, 178 yards last season. He was the only scholarship senior receiver on Arkansas's roster. So, I mean, there's clearly already a youth movement there in Fayetteville, but now it's going to be amplified. You know what? Oh, for sure, man. No, that's a that's a big hit, man. You know, golly, I tell you, it feels it just feels like last two years, Arkansas has just really been struggling with these injuries. So you you hate to hear that with anybody. And they've had six receivers leave via the transfer portal this offseason. So in effect here, this is a seventh receiver gone for the season in just one offseason. 
Yeah. Who needs receivers, Mike? We got tight ends, son. <laughs> <laughs> and quarterbacks, apparently. Now, before we move on from Arkansas, Shane, I, d- I thought this clip, you know, this is a little bit more authentic from Chad Morris. Maybe he's just, for everything I hear about him, I great with the players, obviously a hell of a recruiter, but when he's out there on the practice field, you know, Arkansas shared this clip of Chad Morris. I thought that this was maybe a better window into his real personality. Uh, I thought uh, Razorback fans would appreciate this. Let me just tell you, if you look around, players, look at our former players in our circle. It's something. It's something special to wear that logo on the side of the only Razorback in the country. There's only one Razorback. There's only one. And you have to work to wear it. Nobody's giving it to you. You're not entitled to it. Once you're a player here, you're always a player here. These guys behind you and their families are where they are today because of the sweat on this football field. Am I right, men? Because of the sweat on this football field and the sacrifice and the crying and the the laughing in that locker room and the bleeding and the ups and the downs. A lot of lessons learned on this football field, more than just football, man. This is a unique group. This is a special group. And when you're in, you're in. All right, Shane, so Arkansas, you know, they're proud to proclaim they're the only Power 5 program in that state, and it's, uh, it's a program that, the, you know, they like to say the entire state is with them. That's why they play mm-hmm. the game in Little Rock, and it just seems like uh, Chad Morris hitting that home with his players, with alumni there at practice. I think this is a, a solid move here by Chad Morris. Absolutely, man. There's only one Razorback, son. You know, right. <laughs> I, it's something I haven't even thought about. Uh, so I, I like, I like Coach Morris, and I like him when he's in practice. I like getting clips like this. I'm not a big fan of press conference Morris, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I think he 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 wins these these players over. He's a great players coach, and uh, I just I like seeing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And it, hell, Shane, you know, we give him some some crap here on this podcast, but if he turns it around, if he gets his offense going. That's the way, that's the key for Arkansas rising in the West. It's not trying to be what Alabama and LSU are. You're never going to out LSU and Alabama them. You have to take a different approach. That's what Chad Morris has shown in the past. That's what he's got to do here at Arkansas. Absolutely. College football's better when Arkansas is better, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. For Coach O. He updated us on uh, the second scrimmage here from uh, training camp and good news for the Tigers, Shane, because Grant Delpit, Caleb on Chasson and Christian Fulton, he says they would all play if there was a real game tomorrow. They did not participate in the scrimmage. They're still being limited, but that's got to be good news for Tiger fans. Cause they know at least these guys are, you know, they may not be practicing, but according to Cocho, they're ready to be, to be out there. Just, mm-hmm. just don't want to risk these guys. And that's certainly better than the alternative. We know Del Pitt's been back to practice, but no need to risk a player like him in a scrimmage like this. But I thought the uh, you know the biggest thing Coach O had to say from this scrimmage was just the fact that you know all this hype we keep hearing about the LSU offense. I know some of these key defenders are out, but it, with them out of the lineup. Both LSU's quarterbacks really had a day here, Shane. I'm going to read you their stats, and then we'll jump to what Coach O had to say on them. But uh, Joe Burrow, 14 for 24, 160 yards, two touchdowns. That's solid. Miles Brennan, 13 for 25, 260 yards, and one touchdown. So it sounds like the Tigers got them some quarterbacks. 
Dude, I'm, I told you earlier, man, I really think that Miles Brennan is the best backup quarterback in the SEC and honestly could probably start on at least three or four teams. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's he's a hell of an athlete, and maybe even more than that. But uh, uh, you got to feel pretty confident about the LSU situation. And also with Joe, I mean, he's so tough, you probably don't need a backup. Um, has this kid redshirted already? Has he burned a redshirt or anything? Do you know? He redshirted last year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. So, you know, it's nice knowing that you've got somebody that can hand over the reins to. Mm-hmm. And we've got to give him a ton of credit because in the, you know, the age of quarterbacks leaving, they bring in Joe Burrow. There was uh, speculation that Miles Brennan would maybe leave too, but he stuck to his guns. And he also, this was, uh, they tried to bring in Lane Kiffin and they tried to get in Tua. I mean, this that was Brennan's class too, and he stuck with the Tigers. So he's, yeah. he's been a loyal guy. So let's jump to Coach O here talking up his passing game. I thought this was uh, kind of the highlight of what he had to say this weekend. Joe's ability to move the ball, throw the ball uh, to the right receiver, the ability to escape pressure in the pocket. I thought Biles had a tremendous day. He moved around the pocket, made some deep throws. I think that some of the balls that were not completed because the receiver dropped the ball right in his hands. Well, John Robinson obviously doesn't coach, but he observes everything, and he says, Coach, your young quarterback is getting better and better. He's more comfortable with this offense. He's staying in the pocket. His reads are better. Steve is really pleased with the progress of Miles. So we got two quarterbacks that can go in the game right now and win it for us. So I do believe that. All right, Shane. So Coach O's fired up about his offense there. And, I mean, that's obviously been the the factor there for the Tigers for so long. There's just, you know, it seems like every every position, every side of the ball is outstanding with the exception of the quarterbacks. And now Tiger fans have got to be thrilled that they got two of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. They got depth all over that team. It's a this is a a really good ball club, and this is somebody that can make a push in the West, and would not surprise me if they compete in the SEC championship. Mark, I mean, this team's loaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of loaded, Shane, let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. Where Nick Saban updated us on the second scrimmage from Alabama's camp, and. I th- he got a little ticked off when he was asked about uh, injuries. So we know, <laughs> we've been playing a lot of uh, Nick Saban's kind of pissed off clips, so we're not going to play that one. But uh, th- I thought the highlight of what Coach Saban had to say, something that uh, you know we've kind of touched on this offseason, but the fact that Jalen Hurts, obviously no longer at Alabama, and Tua, you know, it just seems like we certainly don't wish injury upon him, but it seems like he's somewhat injury prone based on his uh, short you know this is a guy that's only started for one year people kind of forget that I think heading into this season but if Tua goes down Shane it may not be now obviously if he's gone for the season or something that would be terrible but if you know if, he, if they need a backup to come in for a quarter or a half or something it sounds like Saban's got a lot of confidence in this Mac Jones. Coach about the quarterbacks uh, how did Tua perform today and then Behind him, is there starting to be separation? You mentioned Mac last week, and is there continuing to be separation between Mac and the guys, other guys on the, at that position? Well, Mac is way ahead of the other guys. I mean, he's been here in the program for a couple of years. He knows the offense. He's really smart. Um, he makes good decisions for the most part. The big thing we've been trying to get him to do is, you know, when he doesn't make a good play, don't hang on to it. Go to the next play. Um, and he's done a much better job of that. And he's been very productive in both scrimmages that we've 
we've had. I mean, he really has. All right, Shane. So right there you have it. Saban's pretty fired up about Mac Jones. And I just thought, uh, you know, that that's kind of key for Alabama's season because I even think Alabama could drop a game and they'll probably still win the West if something, <laughs> maybe if Tua had to sit out or something. But I think what they get, it seems like they finally have some confidence in Mac Jones to uh, step up and, and come into this backup role. Absolutely. And let me ask you, Mike, you know, every, two is two is one of a kind. Two is a fantastic quarterback, but he's he's his own thing. You know, when when you look at somebody like Mac Jones, that's what I think about when I think about past Alabama quarterbacks, you know, game management. It's not going to make any risky turnovers, that sort of thing. You know, it just seems like he's more of a Saban quarterback. So uh, him coming out. It's just kind of, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I I know he likes Tua, really likes Tua. But I think there's parts of Tua that Saban doesn't like and he wished that uh, Mac Jones had, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe they'll get a little bit back to Saban ball. Now, obviously, if they're scoring 50 points a game, I'm sure he's pretty happy and and thinking, you know, we're untouchable. But that's just not the Nick Saban kind of way. I think he likes to, instead of, you know, constantly having these explosive – plays in the passing game because on the back end that leaves his defense exposed and and it gets his defense worn out and when you lose uh you know a key player in the secondary or a key linebacker uh and then you got to put in these backups that are not quite as experienced you're throwing tons of snaps at them it's just not the saving way it it, he i mean obviously he wants to get a lead and then he wants to ground and pound and just uh you know demoralize defenses that way Mm -hmm. not put his defense out on the field that much. So I think there's a lot to be said for what you're saying. But, like, you know, obviously we're not talking down on Tua. I mean, he may be the best, by the time his career ends, the best quarterback in Alabama history. So you definitely, uh, you know, there's no risk for him losing his job or anything. But I don't think it's going to ruin Nick Saban's uh, coaching tenure there when Tua decides (laughs) to go to the NFL by any means. No, no, I think it's a safe play for him and something that he, I honestly think he likes. So, uh, but like you said, to his own dude, he is great. He's potential Heisman candidate, candidate this year for a good reason. But uh, yeah, it's just something I, I was thinking about. Now, sticking with Alabama, Shane, one other thing that I thought Nick Saban hit on that was particularly interesting, uh, freshman linebacker Christian Harris. This was a, a four-star 2019 recruit, the number six inside linebacker prospect in the nation, uh, with uh, Justin McMillan likely out for the season. You know, he was going to start at inside linebacker. They said Christian Harris got the start here, and Nick Saban seemed to suggest that he performed quite well. You said that you started a freshman at inside backer today. What did you say of him and the other young guys at that position? He he did a good job. You know, I like to watch the film. He's a football player. It's important to him. Uh, he runs and hits people. Um, is he where he needs to be in terms of what to do, how to do it, why it's important to do it that way? But when we've had guys like this in the past, whether it was C.J. Mosley playing, was a freshman, Hightower playing, was a freshman, Rolando McLean playing, was a freshman, um, we just put him in there and play him. And they – got to get some on-the-job training. And it's there's still competition at that position, but, um, you know, he's a guy that has made plays throughout fall camp so far that uh, we're hopeful will be able to continue to improve and develop and play like a starter. 
All right, Shane, so I think this is arguably, you know, this has turned into the biggest question mark on Alabama's roster is this inside linebacker spot. Mm-hmm. And now, how about this, Shane? This is pretty wild. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Dylan Moses and Christian Harris, if they both start, two Baton Rouge natives going to start at inside linebacker for Alabama. And it's even more wild, Shane, because uh, the high school that they're from is on LSU's campus. Yeah, no, I mean, that's big. And I'm sure Coach O would love to have him. But, (laughs) you know, the thing about this kid is, you know, he's comparing him to some greats, man. Moses and Hightower and – I mean, he. I mean, that's the names he put this kid in with. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and he's just he he recognizes he's a football player and he likes to hit and he's going to get out there because he's he's that good and he just that's makes me feel good about this kid's future is that Coach Saban knows that he needs to learn a whole lot, but he's going to learn it while he's out there because he's that damn good. Yeah, and I just think these are the type of kids that Alabama attracts now. You know because. They're willing to throw a freshman out there if he if he's ready if he can handle it, and mm-hmm. uh, you know if you're not up to it, you know if you're not careful, the next class that guy's just going to jump you. So oh, yeah. uh, I mean you basically have a year to acclimate. This guy's you know had a couple of weeks here, but <laughs> you either get on the page or you, or you move on over because there's someone else coming that'll take your job, and uh, it just sounds like uh, you know. From, there's still still some question marks because it's just one scrimmage here, but yeah. it it definitely sounds more promising now than it did when Justin McMillan went out and you're just searching for answers at that position. Oh, for sure, man. And finally, on Alabama here, Shane, I just want to give a couple injury updates. Uh, Nick Saban said tight end Miller Forrestall, linebacker Terrell Lewis, uh, defensive lineman DJ Dale, defensive lineman LeBron Ray, and offensive lineman Mac Womack. They all missed the scrimmage but he says they they were all held out they could all play if there was a game uh, kind of like those LSU players and last one here Shane running back Jerome Ford with an ankle he's going to be out about a week or so so uh, that's beginning to be a question mark for Alabama in itself running back they cannot afford to lose any anyone there that's got to be something they got to be very careful worth uh, heading into the season absolutely all right, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens. Oh, dog, sick him! <laughs> Kirby Smart met with the media this weekend to uh, update us on the Bulldogs' second scrimmage of training camp. And I thought kind of the highlight of this, obviously we all had question marks of Georgia's receiving core heading into training camp. And we all saw the Pickens highlight where he's jumping <laughs> nine feet in the air and snagging <laughs> a ball. So everyone's like, all right, we're cool there. And that's kind of, uh, you know, Kirby Smart hit on that. He hit on his receivers and their development. And then at the tail end, if you can't hear the question, he was asked about uh, the big plays that came from the receivers and just kind of how that's Jake Fromm's strong point is throwing that deep ball. I mean, there's been progress, yeah. I mean, I I think you can always do more. And that's what we're trying to do. So, I mean, I'm very pleased with that group's effort, toughness, resiliency, pushing through contact toughness there's some balls that that probably should have been caught that weren't today but that's probably always going to be the case well i mean i think all colleges in college football are explosive now i'm not telling you guys they went out there and made 100 explosive plays that's not the case i'd be worried about the defense i think that uh we've got some explosive playmakers and we got a quarterback that throws the deep ball well 
mean, it's a really one of his better passes, and uh, they were able to connect on some of those today. All right, Shane, so Georgia fans have got to be fired up about what Kirby Smart had to say about this receiving core, and he's not one to really talk up these these players, in my opinion, unless they've really earned it. So I don't know. If I'm a Georgia fan, there's a ton of talent all over that receiving core. I mean, there's five stars that have not really even done anything yet, but and they may be getting passed up by some of these five <laughs> stars that just came in. I'm feeling pretty good about my receiving core heading into the season if I'm a Georgia fan. Oh, for sure, man. We are worried about potential playmakers out there. And, you know, Kirby's a defensive guy. He loves defense. And, you know, when he comes out, he's talking about some of these, you know, uh, haymakers that uh, that Fromm sent out there. You know, there's a piece of them that you could tell is a little upset. But there's also a piece that, you know, hey, we've got explosive players all over this field. And we can score at will. So, uh, I really, I really, golly, man. I mean, this could be Georgia's year, buddy. Yeah, and sticking on that theme, Shane, we've been hitting on Georgia's running backs all offseason season. We all know about DeAndre Swift. You know, he's a popular Heisman candidate. Zamir White now. There's so much buzz on this guy. Uh, I mean, you got Cook. You got Harrion, who's probably one of the most underrated running backs in the SEC. And now all of a sudden, Kirby Smart's talking up freshman Kenny McIntosh. Well, I, I probably saw a little more toughness on the front of the offensive line knocking us off the ball. But there were some, there were some licks passed out there. There were some pops made, a couple goal line stops. Uh, a couple hits out there with guys closing, you know, but uh, our backs are good players. They're able to make you miss in space. And I thought Kenny, uh, Kenny McIntosh today did some good things, man. He's just, he continues to improve. He's got really good balance. And uh, he's, been a, he's been a good blessing. He's delivered some blows to some people. I mean, my God, Shane. I mean, they, I guess they call it running back you for a reason here. But, uh, I mean, Georgia may go five, six deep here at the running back position. And, uh, I mean, it's getting kind of ridiculous here, isn't it? You know, let me ask you this, Mike, because mm-hmm. when you, I heard the running back thing, but the first thing that really stood out to me was this offensive line, mm-hmm. and he's talking about the biggest hits coming from that front five. You know, is there a happier man in this country than Sam Pittman right now at this given moment? Ugh. And speaking of Sam Pittman, I mean, he just reached into New Orleans and picked up the number one center out of Louisiana – right out from LSU I mean <laughs> we already we already know Georgia's got the best offensive line in the SEC uh, they got some more guys in their most recent signing class and now in their current recruiting class it looks like they've got the best offensive line class in the nation this is kind of why we say this is not like an aberration that Georgia's I mean now building all these teams it looks they're building it the right way Dang, Sam just rolled in with a Cadillac, grabbed a couple of beignets, and <laughs> landed a recruit and got out of town, man. <laughs> and final injury update here for Georgia Shane Freshman linebacker, Nakobe Dean, the five-star. A lot of, a lot of high praise for this guy. Uh, he missed the scrimmage. Kirby Smart says he's fine, so that's just something to monitor uh, Dean was not likely to start, but he's probably going to be one of their top backups. So that's that's one to watch moving forward to see his status. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Columbia. Will Muschamp recapped uh, South Carolina's latest scrimmage, and uh, there was a lot of offensive talk here, Shane. I mean, he was really fired up about uh, their new addition, Tavian Feaster. So let's start with that. Uh, I know what Gamecock fans are very eager to hear all about this guy. 
How did Tavian look today? What did you see? Good. It looked good. Caught the ball well. Ran the ball well. Had a nice, really nice cut on a touchdown on an inside zone. So it was good. He, I thought he looked good. Tavian out of the backfield earlier. What, what kind of element does he bring to the table from that standpoint? Well, you know, he catches the ball extremely well. I mean, he's a, he's a, like a receiver running routes as far as those things, and he's got really good ball skills. Um, but uh, again, I thought he made a couple of really nice cuts on some runs today in the first, you know, live contact he's had uh, since he's been here. So I, I thought uh, I thought he ran the ball well. All right, Shane. So Must Champ's pretty fired up about uh, stealing one away from Clemson, isn't he? Hell yeah, he is, man. And this, I'm telling you, this isn't the first time we've heard about him catching balls out of the backfield either. You know, something Bentley hit on. Do you think we're going to see more of that this year? I mean, it's because it seems like the last two or three conference, press conferences we've heard, this has got brought up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And I think that makes Feaster all the more valuable to this offense because in the Brian McElwain system, you know, it's not necessarily a tempo offense that you think about that goes no huddle constantly, but they do have that in the playbook. So, you know, if they get a first down or they get a second one, they can shift to the no huddle. And that's another thing that maybe South Carolina fans don't realize Feaster, what he can do, because when you shift to a no huddle like that, uh, obviously, you know, you can shift him out to the slot, make him a receiver. Uh, so just so many mismatches there or leave him in the backfield, obviously, and then have him catch passes out of there. So I don't know. It just kind of opens it up and it just makes the entire offense more versatile, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I like that. I, I think this is what football – I think this is the way football is going. It's it's mirroring the NFL more and more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think this is this – is, you got to be excited, man, to hear this. And obviously, we all know uh, Debo Samuel. I mean, he's making plays for the San Francisco 49ers now. That's something that South Carolina, you know, we kind of hit on it during the spring. They don't have anyone that's going to necessarily be doing that, but they got a collection of guys that uh, could be managed to kind of replace the production that Debo had last year. And, you know, we, you know, we all know about Brian Edwards. If he has just a decent year, he's going to break all the South Carolina receiving records. But who they got behind that, uh, Will Muschamp kind of hit on two receivers that are standing out in training camp. You had some receivers in previous years that could cover up a lot of ills. Have you identified players like that as far as covering up those type of things that are 50-50 balls like you saw today? Well, two guys that stood out to me today was Josh Van and Shy. I mean, those guys have – had really good camps. Shy has had an exceptional camp, and he's a very difficult guy to cover. Um, he's got really good catch radius down the field. He's got really good speed, and he's got good open field quickness as far as evading people and making people miss. So I think he's had a really good training camp. Josh Van has had a good camp uh, you know, to this point, but it's all it all goes back to me to the summer, the type of summer both those guys had. They, they really busted it all summer. They went after it hard all summer. And they've come into camp and had really good camps, and that's been good. Uh, Randrigas has done some nice things. So those three guys have jumped out at us, and, of course, I think Brian's had a really good camp as well. All right, Shane, so junior Shy Smith, sophomore Josh Van, both catching Will Muschamp's eyes. And this kind of goes with what I was talking about with Feaster, goes with you know a hurry-up tempo style. you got weapons all over the field. Uh, you, you just can't load up and, and you know double it coverage Brian Edwards if you do that all these other guys across the field are going to burn defenses absolutely man don't be surprised if Shy Smith ain't leading the team in receptions and yards this year I mean because like you said I think there's going to be a lot more attention on Edwards 
But, you know, Shia's a, a smaller guy, but he's quick. He's, I mean, he's just one of those twitch guys that can just get in open space. So um, he's going to be electric, man. This team's going to be electric, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Now, a bit of bad news here for South Carolina, Shane. This was, this was tough news here. Uh, senior tight end, Keel Pollard. His career has come to an end. He announced that, I believe, on Friday. And uh, he had a cyst discovered in his, I think, on his spine or something like that. And now they're going to have, they're going to keep him on to, uh, I think he's going to become a coach this year for South Carolina. So that's great to see. Uh, really unfortunate. This is a guy that uh, he's been a star on special teams, one of their better special teams players. Going to, you know, this was the season that he was going to potentially be their starting tight end and play a lot. So you hate to hear that. But it's good to see that they're, you know, he's potentially starting his, his new career, and they're l- allowing him to do that in Columbia. Um, but that's just that's just a tough one. Yeah, that's a that's a blow, man. You hate I hate injuries, and you hate hearing something that, you know. But honestly, it's it's just one of those t- things that we've kind of talked about. If he weren't in football, maybe this is something that they don't discover. So um, I just I'm glad that they're they're keeping him on with the staff and stuff like that. And who knows. You know, he may be coaching South Carolina one day. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Rocky Top. Good old Jeremy Pruitt met with the media here this weekend as well to update us on the latest Tennessee scrimmage. And thankfully, Shane, there's not a ton of injury news. It sounds like they escaped without uh, anyone going down. So from here, from here on out, they're looking pretty good on Rocky Top from the injury front. But while that's a positive, Shane, based on what – Jeremy Pruitt had to say about his roster. I think the coaching staffs they've kind of got a big issue on their hands. I want to get your thoughts on it after this clip. Jeremy, you guys do obviously do a lot of 11 on 11 and other team stuff in regular practices as a staff. When you're kind of evaluating players individually, how much more stock or do you put more stock into what you see in a scrimmage as compared to what you see every other day when you guys necessarily aren't scrimmaging but still playing a lot of team periods and, and you know, playing football? Well, I, I like to look at it like this. So uh, let's say me and Zach are both playing corner, okay, and we'll just use that position. Um, so Zach might be playing with the, the best technique, okay. Uh, he plays with the best technique. Uh, he never makes a mental error. Uh, he's always in the right spot, okay. But during the course of a scrimmage, there's five opportunities for Zach to make a play, and he makes absolutely none of them. Okay, uh, now Zach's been in the program for four years, okay, or two years or whatever, been through two springs and now second fall, so he's got a better understanding, okay? Then you got me, I just got here, right? Okay, so um, I'm learning the technique, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of learning, I'm somewhere in between, right? I don't always know what to do, okay? Uh, might not be lined up with proper leverage, might not have my eyes in the right spot, uh, but over a scrimmage, I get five plays, and I make four out of five. All right, so you're the coach. Do you want to coach me or do you want to coach Zach? You with me? So we're, we're, we're at that point right now. You know, so we got some guys in our program that because they've been here and they have experience, they, they kind of have the know-how, you know, and that's important, right, because if Zach's in the right spot, you know, all the time, uh, lots of times the play won't present itself to him because he is in the right spot. And the other, you know, somebody like me that might not know what I'm doing, right? Uh, I'm, I'm not in the right spot, so the ball can come at me that many more times, you know. So there's a fine line right there about are you coaching the right people. Uh, and that's something that we've got to make a decision on. 
uh, in the next couple of days moving forward. You know, because there'll be some guys that are not ready to play right now um, that, you know, the fourth or fifth week, uh, they might be starting. I mean, we got a guy on our coaching staff, Nate Andrews, his graduate assistant. You know, he's a high school quarterback in, um, you know, in Mobile. We signed him at Florida State, and you know, about about this time right here, I'm sitting here thinking, Lord have mercy, what I, what am I doing signing this guy? Couldn't backpedal, couldn't get it right. By the fourth game, he was starting on a team and ended up winning the national championship. And he led us in calls, fumbles, and interceptions. So we were right all along. We just didn't have the patience to begin with. So there'll be guys like that. All right, Shane. So based on what he's saying here, I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me. He's essentially saying we've got experience that is not talented <laughs> and that we've got <laughs> talent, but they don't know what the hell they're doing. And we got to mix and match and figure out how to put these guys on the field. And, I, I mean – I don't know. This this would be a concern to me if I'm a Tennessee fan of uh, coach coming out and I mean I think he's being brutally honest here, but uh, I don't know how how optimistic I'd be. How what what's your take on this? Yeah, coach has turned into quite the storyteller, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, you know. So, well, has he got any more metaphors he wants to throw out there? So, uh, <laughs> I you know I, I didn't take it as a negative as much as. Maybe some people did because I really do think that with this talent that he does have, one thing you know he did mention was the coach that he had or the player that he had down there at Florida State, which is now the coach of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You know, this is maybe our starter isn't going to start week one. You know what I'm saying? But right. kind of like Saban did with the on on field training or at work training, whatever he said. You know, this is something that that's what's going to happen here. So maybe the kid's not ready. You know, he didn't get it, grasp it completely in fall camp, but who knows week four, week five, we may be looking at a couple different players on this field that didn't start the season and now they're producing. So uh, I'm not discouraged. He's, I mean, he's admitting we've got talent. It's just, maybe it's not ready yet. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing Jeremy Pruitt hit on Shane, I thought this was pretty neat. Uh, not so much what Pruitt had to say, but the guy he was talking about, so they had, uh, you know, former Vol Inky Johnson come speak to the team. Pruitt praised uh, the speech he gave, and then Tennessee actually tweeted that out. So uh, we're going to play you Pruitt's comments real quick, and then we're going to jump right into Inky's uh, message to the team. I just thought this was outstanding. Coach, where did you see the most progress just from Sunday till today? I felt like the effort. Uh to start practice was was much improved. Um, you know, we we, we had a, a speaker last night. Inky came and spoke, and you know, I've heard him speak before. We done a fantastic job. Uh, talked about what it meant for him to to be at Tennessee, and uh, you know, just the, the the message that he shared with the players is is uh, right on track to what we've been talking about since we've been here. Uh, so there was definitely much more energy. Um, you know, so my question is, do we have to come get Inky to talk to the team before we ever go out there and practice every day? Uh, but there was more energy to start practice, so that was positive. You know, it's an extreme honor and a privilege to be in this room, to be before you guys. You know, this place is very special to me. You know, I take it, I take it personal, right? When I watch a Tennessee game, right, I take it personal. So when I see this game and I look at it from the perspective that I view it through, right, the thing that hurt me the most when I got injured 
it wasn't that my career ended. It wasn't that, right? It's when I went to watch a game or watch a practice and you would see a cat that took it for granted, right? I'm from the school of thought. When a cat is a part of something, organization, team, brotherhood, and you look a man in his eyes and tell him you're gonna give him everything he got, and then the situation or the circumstances change, and then you allow your actions to betray your words, I can't understand or comprehend that. That's hard for me. Question becomes this, can you be committed to the process of what you're doing without being emotionally attached to the results of what you're doing? In other words, if you don't get what you thought you was gonna get, will you still be the same individual? Like, I don't care what a cat do when, when everything goes right. When things start going south and a cat jumps on your head and you're like, man, it's not what I thought it was. And it's not even about an opponent. It's not even about opposition. It's about, I've never been to that point before and I don't know how I'm going to respond. They scatter themselves. They're standing in a tunnel in Neyland Stadium, getting ready to play in front of 100,000 fans and they're questioning their integrity. Like the reason I can live with what happened to me on September 9, 2006, the last play is personal to me. When I went out, my last play, I knew I gave my teammates everything I had, every ounce of my spirit, right? That's why when coach came to see me in the hospital, I'm like, I'm good. I empty everything out of me. Now, if I didn't give them everything I had, it would have been a big ounce of regret because I would have lived my whole life with the thought of, man, what if I gave everything I had to it? You meet most young cats and they think it's a dual mentality, right? They think football is one mentality, life is one mentality. No, bro, it's you. It's your spirit. It's your essence. When you get here, you're a part of something that's a lot bigger than you. It's cats that came through here before you and it's gonna be cats that come through here after you. And so while you're blessed to be able to do it, how about we do it in a way that has never been done before and we raise the standard of it, right? The standard is the standard. We don't lower it. Right? We don't say, oh man, we Tennessee, the standard is the standard. We compete, we fight, we scrap, we live to fight another day. We don't retreat against nobody. And every time you get ready to stop, every time you get ready to quit, that's you as a man. That's not you as a football player. But when you press forward, in the midst of the opposition, in the midst of the adversity, Think about it in terms of this. You're not just building a mentality for the game of football. You're building a mentality that's going to sustain you 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. I'm telling you that so you can understand what you're a part of and what you represent and what you're playing for. It's a blessing to play the game of football. It's a privilege to play it at the University of Tennessee. I'm going to say it again because I don't want you to ever forget it. It's a blessing to play the game of football. It's a privilege to play it at the University of Tennessee. Let's never take this thing for granted, fellas. We gonna scrap, we gonna fight, and we gonna live to fight another day. Thank you for your time. God bless you, man. Pleasure. All right, Shay, you want to fire up a team right before the season. I mean, this is how you do it. You bring Inky Johnson in and, and just kind of like let them know what they're playing for. Yeah, the problem is Inky's firing up all the teams, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little team hopper, man. You know, I wanted to come out and I wanted to bash it, you know, because I've seen him at uh, Alabama. I've seen him at I – mean, hell, he's been everywhere. He's holding helmets everywhere he goes. But like five seconds into it, man – Inky gets you, man. You know, he makes you realize that, 
this is more than football. This is, you know, this is life. And, and there's a lot of things, you know, he's just, he's such a great speaker. And, uh, and yeah, boy, he got them boys pumped up and I wish he would stay at university of Tennessee and fire <laughs> all these guys up right before they go out every time. Yeah, I do. I agree with you uh, to a point there, Shane. I don't understand, especially when he was on the Alabama Bama cuts show or whatever, like, yeah. It, it seems like they're using him to promote Alabama. I don't understand why he would do that. But at the same time, I think his point, is, you know, his injury and how he's uh, turned it into a positive instead of a negative, uh, that's a message that I think every single player at every single school needs to hear because it it's very well could happen to them. And it may not mm-hmm. even be that devastating, but it could be another kind of injury or it could be, uh, an incident outside of football that affects our life, and I think he's just such a such a positive voice for for all that. That uh, it, it's it's very powerful, and, and everyone needs to hear it. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. Lot, the world needs more Inkies. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. He's just he's a great dude, and I've had I've had the privilege of meeting him. You know, and uh, I was actually at the game he got hurt believe it or not. So, uh, I didn't know much about it at the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, just appreciate the opportunities you have. I, I just, I love his message that he has. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Oxford. Auditorio, miss. We got a quick clip here from defensive coordinator, Mike McIntyre. I thought this was really neat and, uh, I'll explain it on the back end of why I really wanted to play this one. We don't get to see a lot of just the live your your defense against the offense. Mm-hmm. How competitive is that between the guys, even between you and Rich? Yeah, Paul and I, yeah, it, it's um, it's real competitive with the players out there. And then, um, you know, Rich and I try to help each other out. I, you know, I'll go to Rich. Hey, I need to see some of this, and he'll go. I need to see some of that. So we need to be able to because we don't have preseason games. We don't have those situations. So, you know, it, it is competitive when it gets going, but it's also calculated competitive a lot of it um, to help each other out to help the offense get better help the defense get better so there's been a great cooperation there Matt's done a great job of us all three sitting down and saying hey what does each guy need to help you and we and it's worked out real well all right Shane so obviously Matt Luke is getting a ton of praise all offseason for making this defensive coordinator hire of Mac McIntyre the offensive coordinator hire of Rich Rodriguez and this is why right here because Mike McIntyre, based on what he's saying and based on what he says about Rich Rodriguez, they see the bigger picture. You know, they understand that uh, maybe Mike McIntyre, you know, he needs to know if this defensive end can hold up in, you know, a run running play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich Rodriguez may need to know, you know, can this guard – uh, can he swing and, and be effective on this play? I mean, and it may hurt his unit because they know what's coming or mm-hmm. they may be putting him in an advantageous position or not, but they see the bigger picture. And, you know, I'm not trying to say anything bad about the previous coordinators there at Old Miss, but you're just not going to hire coordinators that have these the level of experience of these two and to understand, you know, these minute aspects and how – critical that could be to an overall football team and I think this is just kind of the best case in point we've seen all offseason of, of why these hires were so important yeah definitely man I mean we were joking about last week when LSU and their coordinators were fighting because it was scrimmage time you know what I'm saying and it seems like 
this, but it, maybe that's what LSU needs right now. But Ole Miss, what they need is to identify their weaknesses and and their strengths. And I think that having the coordinators work together, I think that's fantastic, man. Mm-hmm. You know, find out what you're good at and find out what you're not. And so they can identify their deficiencies. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Starkville. Well, Joe Moorhead, he recapped uh, the recent scrimmage there at Mississippi State. And it sounds to me like he knows who they're starting at quarterback, Shane. You know, the young guys, particularly Garrett, you know, are, are really taking taking nice strides. He, he had another nice scrimmage today. Do you anticipate having the starter name, like, going into game week um, that you would share? Or is that a deal that it may be day of game before you even make a decision on that? Kind of have an idea. I'll let you all know at some point this week the, what that's going to be. <laughs> all right, Shane, based on what old Joe Moorhead had to say, how are you feeling? I mean, do you agree? It sounds like he's made up his mind. That's kind of what I'm reading into it. I love it, Mike, because honestly, every team we've talked about so far is about quarterbacks, even even Alabama's backups, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's nice knowing that a coach admits that he knows who it is and he's just not gonna give it. You know, <laughs> I'd love I'd love Morris to come out and say, you know, I know the guy is, but I ain't telling. You know what I'm saying? So right. uh coach coach knows, and that means whoever it is is getting majority of the ones, and you gotta feel more confident about your team going into the season, knowing that your quarterback has pretty much been named already. Mm-hmm. Now, speak, so, sticking with uh, Mississippi State, Shane, you know, I know a ton of people outside of Mississippi State questioning, well, you know, they lost so many good defenders, you know, they're seriously going to take a step back. Well, one thing non Mississippi State fans may have been forgotten about is Chauncey Rivers, Shane. This guy's in a contract year. Uh, this guy was an elite high school pro- uh, prospect that signed with Georgia, had to go to the original last chance U there in East Mississippi Community College. Now he's at Mississippi State. Now after all that, Shane, he's getting a step in to a leadership role, to a starting role, and uh, now is his time to shine. And that's something that Joe Moorhead kind of hit on here. Some of the players have mentioned that Chauncey Rivers has really kind of stepped up into a leadership role. What are you seeing from him? Exactly what you said. You know, last year, you know, it's kind of hard not to get caught in the shadows of, of uh, Montez and uh, and uh, Gary. You know, they cast a pretty pretty big shadow. But now, with he, Kobe, uh, Marquise, and uh, Fletcher kind of taking that role, and, and and when you're in your last year of eligibility, you kind of have that senior year urgency. So everything that he's doing, it's it's uh, characteristic of a guy who knows what he needs to do in his last year personally and for the team. All right, Shane. So this is, like I said, a contract year, more or less, for Chauncey Rivers. And this is his chance to show what he can do. And, I mean, he's he's been – you know, there's a reason he signed with Georgia coming out of school. There's a reason East Mississippi won him. There's a reason Mississippi State has got him. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this could be one of the breakout players here in the SEC. Dude, that's – I love that comparison, contract year. That's what this is. Some of these seniors, they've got one last shot – to put some film out there to get in the NFL. So, yeah, you know he's going to be bringing it this season. All right, Shane, final team I've got to hit on here. Let's jump on down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Gus Malzahn met with the media here on Sunday, and he said something crazy here, Shane. <laughs> a handful of guys, we were giving a great look to see if they can help us, um, you know, for the first game to give us some depth and, 
and uh, really give a, give some guys chances to uh, to make plays. Cord Sandberg uh, got the majority of the scrimmage reps. That was by design. Um, you know, um, the two other quarterbacks have got the majority of of the uh, the rest of the scrimmage. We just felt real strong that he needed to get some experience. And it was really good, you know, for him as far as that goes. And how close do you feel like you are to naming QB one? Uh, you know, I think we're closer in in, in that position. I can't tell you right now what day, but we're going to go back now that fall camp's over and really all positions and just evaluate uh, each position. Take a good, you know, 24 hours to, to see everything, to go back, because a lot of times from a coach's standpoint, you remember the last practice in great detail, but the things before. So it gives us a, a good chance to really put the pieces to the puzzle, not just quarterback, but uh, even some other positions as far as depth's concerned. So you know, that's what we'll be doing probably the next 24 to 48 hours, you know, as we're game planning for Oregon. Of course, obviously, we've been looking at Oregon all summer, so we feel like, you know, with what they've done in the past, you think you've got a decent uh, a decent idea of what you're going to get. But All right, Shane, so they're giving the most reps to damn Cord Samber. They haven't figured out the starting quarterback role, so they're giving them all to the third string. I mean, that's that makes a ton of Dang. sense unless – Stick with me here, Shane. Okay. This, this might be – now, on the last podcast, we were talking about Auburn. What did I say? I said, not, with not a doubt in my mind, Bo Nix is the starting quarterback. Yeah. I think all this does is confirm that. Because in today's day and age of college football, Shane, what happens to these guys that lose these competitions? They leave. They leave. And if Cord Sandberg is not ready to go, then you've got a true freshman – and a guy that's been playing baseball the last six years, what have you, and they've got nothing behind them. So this, I mean, if he's being honest here and they're letting Cord Sandberg run the show. Uh, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They are getting him ready in case the worst happens and, and Bo Nix goes down and Joey Gatewood leaves. That's exactly how I read this. Dude, that's deep, Mike. That's deep because I didn't think of it like that, but you're right. Because if he gives it to Bo, Joey may be gone. And Sandberg, because when I first heard this, I, I rewound it and I listened to it again. I was like, did he just say Sandberg? You know, I'm like, <laughs> we don't, you're out here telling me you don't know who the quarterback is and you got the third string guy, the one that's not even in question. Uh, so I, this makes perfect sense, Mike. Dude, you yeah. just open, you just I, open the windows here for me. I mean, either Gus Malzahn's lost his damn mind or it's like I said, I, I don't even think it's a question that it's Bo Nix, and I don't even think it's been a question for like a week and a half, two weeks here. I think they're so firm on it, and I expect him. Now, they may play Joey Gatewood in, in some capacities, kind of like we were saying, maybe kind of like the Chris Leak-Tim Tebow combo because yeah. he, he is a special runner. You know, on third and one, third and two, fourth and one, uh, you put that guy out there, I mean, that's going to be tough as hell to stop. But what you don't want to do is stump Bo Nix's growth. I think he's the guy the majority of the way, and I really expect him to be a special player down the line. Kind of, I don't think he's going to come out and win the Heisman or anything this year, but I think he could be a Jake Fromm freshman year type guy to where he gives you, you know, if he can give you 20 passing touchdowns, that's a hell of a debut. Yeah, no, that's that's great, man. Now, I like the way your mind thinks, Mike. <laughs> That last thing here, speaking of hype here, Owen Papo, the freshman linebacker, Kevin Steele was talking him up on our last show, and Gus Malzahn it did not you know, throw any cold water on that hype at all. Has Papo done enough and showed enough to make you think he's going to be in the rotation in a major D1 
defensive contributor this year? Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair to say that um, he'll be a he'll be a major contributor. What impresses you most about him? I mean, uh, it's everything. I mean, it's uh, he's mature. Uh, he's got a nose for the ball. He can run. The moment doesn't seem too big for him. Uh, you know, you're out there. You know, behind everything from an offensive standpoint, and he's got a nose for the ball and plays physical, and you know, and he's uh, he's he's in a good spot going this season. All right, Shane. So I mean, based on this, it's a youth movement down here in Auburn, and uh, Gus sounds like he's more than ready to play this freshman linebacker, doesn't it? Dude, if you don't know the name Popo or Papa, I like to call him, you better <laughs> learn it real quick because this guy's going to be special. And he's going to be special this year, next year, and the year after. It's three years of this cat you're going to see down there at Auburn. And I'm telling you what, he is living up to the hop. Yeah, so far. So, I mean, I, th- I expect him to be a starter here against Oregon. I really do. I, I do too, man. You heard Steele. Steele couldn't even hide it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, they were not killing the hype on this kid. So, <laughs> no. I mean, he's, he's going to be a day one guy, and uh, Auburn fans are going to love watching him play. Oh, I wish he went to Tennessee, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chad, that's all I got. You got anything before we hop off here? Yeah, buddy, I got some reviews. Uh-oh. Thank you for being a friend. First one comes from Rake the Jake. Awesome name. Awesome podcast is what he named it. Five star. I'm an electrician and I listen to this while I'm working. And the other day I got so into the podcast to zap myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good though because hair grows back. <laughs> Rake That's the Jake awesome. appreciate it. I wish hair would grow back. Man. Uh, Steve of the South. Five star, you old Tennessee homer. These guys keep it light and spread it pretty even. Reminds me of my buddies sitting around and giving each other hell about their team. Enjoy it greatly. Steve, I appreciate you, sir. Yeah, thank you for that review. We really appreciate it. We thank all our reviews. That's why we read them out here. Whoa, Mike. Not so fast, my friend. I've got one last one here. All right. This one's coming from You Are Podcaster, Slice of Home, five star. I'm an SEC fan from Florida who now lives in Colorado. The show is the slice of home that is much appreciated. The hosts spread love to all the SEC teams. Y'all keep up the good work. Well, Mr. or Mrs. Podcaster, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for those reviews. We really appreciate it. And if you want us to read yours, give us a five-star heart on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever the hell it's called now. Uh, all those will really help us out. So uh, thanks again. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys hanging out. And guess what? It's almost football time, Mark. <laughs> yeah, but this time next week, Shane, we'll be breaking down the results of the Florida-Miami game. I can't wait for it. Um, I mean, man, it's it's here. It's really here. <laughs> yes, it is, buddy. All right, Shane. So thank you for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you, mates. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
you can work on those those you know what do you call it deficiencies deficient that's a big word mark let me use that one and so they can yeah i got that one let me roll it off act like i made it up you know so they don't you be laughing in the background mike they gonna know i made this up all right you ready uh-huh so they can <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Let me go. All right. And so they can identify their deficiencies. That's Boom. Right. You nailed that one, Shane. Nailed it. Boom. 